Hi, this is Coach Colette, and welcome to another episode of Coach Chat. This conversation is with Suzanne Sinatra. She is founder and CEO of a startup called Private Packs, and this is a solution for women that helps to provide comfort and relief for when we are experiencing pelvic or vaginal pain. So this episode is all about this woman's journey to bring a solution to form from an idea. Suzanne shares all of the pivots and iterations from going from idea to MVP to bringing on a designer and all the way through to their first Kickstarter campaign. Suzanne also shared her experience as a cancer survivor and how her health has impacted her founder's journey. She and I had some very candid discussions about what it's like to balance your health with trying to bring your venture to life and to the world. So I really think that you're gonna be able to get some great nuggets in here. She has this great quote about letting things marinate before you take action. So definitely keep your ears tuned in for what that's all about. So get ready and listen up to this episode of Coach Chat with Suzanne Sinatra. Hi, this is Coach Colette, and I am excited for another episode of Coach Chat. Today, I will be speaking with Suzanne Sinatra. She is the founder and CEO of Private Packs, which are a sustainable treatment for women when we are experiencing pelvic or vulva pain. So yeah, we're talking about down there, ladies. Um, What we love about the solution is that it's discreet, reusable, and it helps give you comfort while you are on the go. So I'm really excited to chat with you today, Suzanne. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to start this combo. I know. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So we're talking about Yoni today. Yoni Uh, healing. So, so yeah, I'm really, I'm really curious. How did this idea come to you and... How did you bring it to form? Okay, so it actually started in 2014. I had gone from my run-of-the-mill Brazilian wax. And for those of you that don't know what a Brazilian wax is, it's the removal of all the pubic hair. Back to front, all the holes, everything's removed. And this young lady used a wax that was too hot, and it ripped off all of my skin down there. Ouch. And... I came home, I was in pain, and I went to the freezer like you normally do when you're in pain to grab something to like relieve the swelling and the inflammation that had happened. And it, I saw the peas in there, and it was as if my vagina was like, don't put that on me. And then I ended up using like a small Poland Springs bottle because it had no edges to it. And I sat down in front of my computer and I Googled vaginal ice pack and I couldn't find anything. 
So that was the accident that started it all. But what got my wheels turning was that one, I cannot be the only woman out here that has vaginal pain. And now besides this accident, I haven't really had really big vaginal pain, like a big episode to warrant to buy something. So I got on the phone with all my girlfriends because I'm that friend that tells all her friends, don't go to that place, go to that place. Like I'm like a walking Yelp review. So they would then in turn tell me, like I could have used something like that for after my baby. I could use something like that after soul cycle. I could use something like that during my yeast infection. And then that was the reason I actually started the company because I was like, oh, there actually is more women out here that is in pain down there. So in 2014, I started off the process by looking at patents first. Mm -hmm. And then I decided when I had money to go into production, get an MVP. So for instance, a MVP is a minimal viable product. And I had no idea how to get what was in my head out to an actual product. So I actually found an industrial designer when I figured out what an industrial designer was to actually make the shape of it. And I got it 3D printed. Wow. So let me preface this by saying my trade, my nine to five, what puts food on the table is that I'm an event planner. I plan conferences and trade shows, seminars. That is my trade. So creating a product did not come second nature to me at all. I had to go and learn everything myself. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot, like majority of my evenings and weekends. Right. Wow. That's, yeah. That's amazing. I, I love so much of that journey, that sense of starting with your real issue, your real oh. problem, and then validating it with other women, right? Saying, okay, I can't be the only one that's doing this, so let me check in. Um, because I think as, as founders, that, that can be challenging when you think, okay, I've got this idea. Does anyone mm -hmm. else have this issue or concern? Right. And this was in 2014. So it was before things did their Kickstarter. So it was really taboo talking about menstruation and down there. So thankfully for them, they launched first and kicked in the door to create a path for me. So I'm very grateful to things. Right. Because they uh, normalized, they started the conversation and then normalized it. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting thought, right? Because now not only do you have an idea, but you're also having an idea, like you're saying about an issue that shouldn't be, but for whatever reason is or was taboo to talk about. Um, how, right. how did you, how did you gain your confidence to talk about this issue? Or was that not something that concerned you? At the time, it really was talking about it incorrectly and paying attention, paying attention to people's reactions when I spoke about it. Because first, I was pitching it as if it was a sex toy. Hmm. It did not work. Lawyers would not talk to me. Nobody would talk to me. Just like people that I needed just to make the company go forward. Forget investors. That's when I was like, okay, I need to make this more of a medical device. And then I noticed that when I would speak to investors, when I go to events and network, they wouldn't talk to me because when you say medical device, people think FDA. So then I had to pivot again to make it just a consumer product good. And how I learned how to make that pivot was when I did my first business plan 
I had to learn that because ice packs are something that you can buy in the grocery market, it's really considered more of a consumer product good versus a medical device. It is considered a class one device because it does touch the skin. Just like lipstick is covered by the FDA. Got Cosmetics. It. Yeah. Got it. Um, interesting when you're saying, uh, I know that you've since pivoted, but very mm -hmm. interesting to hear that reaction around uh, sex toys because that is pleasure. And feminine pleasure is something that is also taboo for whatever reason for people to talk about. Right. But not only did the vision of the brand pivot, my confidence pivoted, my storytelling had to pivot with each change. And, and what was that like internally for you as a founder? It was confusing as hell. I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what I was saying. I felt like I was just standing on water, like just very unstable. But I was smart enough to pick up the visual cues and tone cues to see if it was received. Mm -hmm. And I really let that lead me to where I am today. And you also mentioned uh, in, your, in your origin story that sense of knowing who were the right partners. So figuring out like, okay, who can design this and what's, what's an industrial designer? So how did you begin to learn who were going to be your key uh, partners and players in this? I really looked at people's background in the early days and even to today, Upwork is my best friend. I love Upwork. Um, and actually going, working with freelancers so early on, I think it has actually helped me to determine how to hire people on full-time. So my first hire, which was the industrial designer that I hired, she was, I met her at a networking event. It was monthly classes learning about patents. And that's how I met her. And she had gotten design awards. She had uh, been awarded something. I can't remember right now, but something from Barack Obama in his first administration. So I was like, oh, she's got the credibility that I need. And when I met with her, she really vibed with the vision and the mission of the company because that has never changed. The vision was always to help women with their vaginal pain. I always knew that if I was going to come out with the second product, I would go back to her. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I was one to hire smarter than me. Ooh, hire smarter than you. That's, yes. that's, that's a, that's a, that's a quotable quote. That's, that's amazing. Amazing. And, and then you mentioned, you know, having to create the MVP and then how did you mm. move into that next stage of development? So once we did the drawing, she created the files and I decided to get it done through Shapeways, which was a 3D company here in New York. And what they created was like a very small version of it. And I didn't like it. So that's, it was very cheap to do. It was like $50. And then that's when I started to contour it more and make more rounded shapes to it. Because again, this was just all in my brain. So the fact that that was my first MVP and how it looked, I was very proud of it. But then I was able to pivot more. And then I found another 3D printer in the city on the Lower East Side that used a material that was like a very flexible rubber. Mm. because shipway was a very hard plastic. So it, for every step I learned and I improved along the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also told a lot of people about what I was doing because a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs are like, oh, I'm not going to say anything because someone may steal it. I didn't, I got out of that really quickly. 
It was like actually a matter of weeks. I decided to start sharing with everyone because that was actually going to help me move along faster. Right. That is, that is a trap that we can fall into. I think, yeah, the yeah. first time I met you, you were already talking about private packs and, and what you were working on. So I think that, uh, that, that is a good thing because did that help you then get either feedback or validation or even potential buyer users? It helped me widen the network that I would need to go forward. How so? So I wanted like a certain gel that was made here in the States, but another gel that I did want was based in Cal uh, based in China. And because I told the manufacturer what I really wanted, he was like, Oh, you need to go to China and you should contact this person. So by me telling people what I want and what my vision is, they're like, Oh, this person can help you get to that point. Now it's very long and arduous doing it that way. Right. Because it's like every, like you're like a squirrel. You have to collect acorns of, of information, but it actually has kept me going straight. I haven't diverted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love when you said, right, like the vision or the mission has not changed, even though your product iterations have pivoted to some degree. Because the, the company was built on my core beliefs. And I still believe that women need something that's sexy, cute, wearable, and reusable. Because back in 2014, it's now 2020, I said, I don't want a woman to have to keep going to the pharmacist to, to buy a private pack. I think that's ridiculous. And I don't need the pharmacist to look at her crazy like, girl, what is going on with your vagina? You buy it once, you use it like up to a year. Because that is what I don't want to go through. So, and I'm not doing that to other women. Right. So there's that. I mean, when we think of the, the, the pink tax, right, the, the, the products, the female products that um, are either more expensive than, than what would be the equivalent on the male side. So you were thinking about not just the user and the comfort, but also the economics associated uh, with, with the product. Also, the judgment, the judgment with it. Because if it was a re, uh, disposable one and you had another yeast infection, they were coming like every six weeks. That means you have to be in the drugstore every six weeks. And who knows if your pharmacist is going to judge you on it. No one needs that look. But they don't do it to men. Right. Oh, he, he's going back and buying the same condoms. Right. <laughs> the pharmacist are like, oh, you're getting it in. Like, great. But then if we buy something for ourselves, it's, I just didn't want it. Mm. Got it. That that sense of thinking about, again, because we're talking about these things that are, quote, taboo when it comes to women versus the same issues or er, that would affect men potentially, but why is there the stigma for a feminine hygiene or a fe you right. know, feminine product as opposed to something for men? Right. And then that core belief does follow through in the marketing in planning out the sales and distribution, because when women are in pain, when anyone's in pain, you want relief immediately. For instance, I don't have the money right now to pay for shelf space on, at CVS or the Walgreens. So we're going to be direct to consumer right now. But I want to offer Instacart in urban cities because if somebody wants something right away, like a private pack, just give it to me now. I'm not going to wait three days for your shipping. Right. But again, it's because I am my own customer. I think I know what I would want. 
And that's the core belief. Women's help. And to do that, there are certain things that have to come in because you want to help your customer. Uh, yeah, I love, I love this. I want to uh, switch gears a little mm-hmm. bit, although you did yeah. mention earlier about your confidence level mm-hmm. around pitching and how, how do you stay aligned? How do you stay on mission, on brand for yourself? I think because I live it and breathe private packs every day. I am very fortunate. I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have kids. I live in America by myself. So I'm able to focus on it 100% of the time. And then I put myself in positions where I'm always talking about it. Now, when I was an event planner, because that was my job, and I'd have to go there from nine to five, it was extremely difficult. But when I made the decision in 2015, when I got fired and I got big time fired too, which was very sad. Mm -hmm. I made that decision in 2015. I was like, okay, you know what? Private packs is my career. Event planning is now my job. Mm. It's just a means to an end. And from that, I decided I was going to be an entrepreneur for life. And when I accepted that, and I started putting myself willingly in front of people that would force me to talk about it, that's when my confidence really grew. Hi, it's Coach Colette, and I have some great news for our listeners in the New York metro area. On Tuesday, February 18th, starting at 6 p.m., we will be hosting a Let's Talk Live podcast event on Black motherhood. I'll be sitting down with Nana Ison Akiwowo, who is the founder and president of African Health Now, who creates these amazing maternity boxes for women in sub-Saharan Africa. We'll be joined by Anthonia Akintunde, who is the founder and editor-in-chief of Mater Maya. This is a website and community for black women, all about the intersection of maternity, motherhood, and career. So if you would love to be part of our audience and ask your questions of me, Nana, or Anthonia, we'd love to have you sign up. You can search for Let's Talk Live on Eventbrite, or you can click the link in the show notes for this episode. It's also available on my tap bio link on my Instagram at Coach Colette. So sign up today. We'd love to have you be part of the discussion. Yeah, I do want to come back to the uh, the, the downsizing because I've I've had similar mm. experiences in my my career. Although, mm. as the stress management coach, it begs me to ask you the question: How do you care for your health and well being, given that you are now a full time entrepreneur? Okay, so this was a little bit crazy. So back in 2015, I went for my mammogram, and they kept reaching out to me. They they said, Suzanne, we need you to come back. We see something. So I decided to say to myself, which was wrong, Suzanne, you haven't started, you ain't have no time for cancer. Okay. So fast forward now to 2017, 
I was working at Deutsche Bank as a consultant. And then at night I would come home and work on private packs. And on the weekend, I went on a date with this guy. He wanted to break up with me because of my horoscope sign. His okay. words were, because you're a Gemini, because I'm a Gemini, you're a Scorpio, it's never going to work. In reading the text, I crossed my arms. And when my right hand grazed my left breast, I felt a lump. Fast forward, I, that was a Monday, because I was watching Love and Hip Hop. That Saturday, I got myself to the gynecologist. I told her she's got to request a test. Fast forward to August 11th, I had breast cancer. Wow. So what the bad thing is, between 2014 and 2017, I wore my tiredness as a badge of honor because I was working so hard, not realizing that my body was telling me something. And even when that happened, I was still going hard, but I did not take care of myself at all. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I'll be the first to admit it. Mm -hmm. And that is that mistake from 2015 cost me dearly mm -hmm. to the point I didn't go for my 2016 mammogram. I missed a year. So uh, August 11th, I got diagnosed. September 11th, I was in chemotherapy. Wow. And I was so sick that there was no ounce of self-care that I can do because chemo was really hard on my body. Then... Eight weeks later, after my first chemotherapy, I had burned through all my money at Deutsche Bank and I was on welfare and food stamps. Wow. That is when things really went left because the cancer spread. So I had to then get a mastectomy. It wasn't until I had the mastectomy that I had to have a conversation with myself because I beat myself up a lot. And I said, how did you build a genital health company and you didn't take care of your own genital health? You're a fraud. And if anyone knows me, I hate frauds. I hate people that, that are fake. It's just not me. So to know that I was one, I really beat myself up over it. So I went to a deep depression after my mastectomy because I realized like it was because of me and my ignorance that I lost my breasts. And I loved my breasts. I love both of them dearly. They are my breast friends. So that's when I really started to integrate self-care after I lost my breast. Mm -hmm. And now after that, I changed the messaging to, of the company and myself, don't make my mistake. Take care of your health because I lost my breast because of it. Mm -hmm. So I started implementing self-care habits of taking more bubble baths, working out more three to four times a week, definitely masturbation because I needed the stress release. Mm -hmm. And really cutting off toxic people in my life and setting up boundaries. And, and have you reached a point of forgiveness, like self-love, self-compassion, self-forgiveness? I have. I have. And when it comes to the business, I've realized that not everyone needs a response as soon as their email hits my inbox. Now, when I make a decision or I have to make a decision or I'm thinking creatively, I let everything marinate. Like if you have a piece of beef, you let it marinate, right? So it can get the juices. Right. Now I let everything in life marinate. You're going to marinate in my inbox. If I create a piece of artwork and I'm unsure about it or I'm not vibing with it, I leave it alone. I've learned to walk away from things to let it marinate. 
And by that, it has allowed me to have my brain breathe wow. to be more creative and focus on something else. I love that. I love that. I think you, you, you need a hashtag for your <laughs> private packs and let it marinate or something. Yes. I don't know. There needs yeah. to be, there needs to be some connection there. Um, and, and thank you for, for being so, so candid about your, about your journey and your health journey. Cause I think it's, oh, of course it's important I mean, for, for us as women to recognize the times because we've all been there, right? We've all been there at times where like, Oh, just one more email or just one more dot, dot, dot. I think usually what happens, like I can only speak for myself. Usually it's like, oh, I get the twinge. I ignore it a little bit more. And then the twinge gets a little louder, right? And then I have to say, okay, is that, for me, it's usually in my stomach. So it's like, okay, did I eat something wrong? Or is there like some sort of stress that's happening, right? I've learned to be able to listen a little bit better to my body. Right, and and that's the key thing. And then sometimes, you know, you do slip. There's sometimes you do forget of your own self-care. When I finished the crowdfunding campaign in November, I was so spent, I could not move. And because of that, I missed my mammogram for 2018. Again, it's this mammogram. So I went to see my oncologist yesterday because I'm still in treatment. I said, Suzanne, I have no need to talk to you because you missed your mammogram. And that is like a year to book out. And then it backlogs all the other appointments because the other appointments are going to want the mammogram too. So because of my mistake that I missed in, in December, I had to miss a whole day of work yesterday because I had to get the mammogram done yesterday. It's just like a domino effect if you do not take care of yourself. Right. All of the wonderful things that we're all working on, right? Like those things won't right. come to fruition if we're not taking care of ourselves. You know, I think that um, I say that for, for all of us and then for, mm-hmm. you know, for us that are, you know, solopreneurs or, mm-hmm. or solo founders, right? Like if, if we're not here or, or we haven't imparted that wisdom to others, it's, it's not going to happen. Right. So, you know, if correct, it should always be the, our own personal motivation. And yet Mm -hmm. for those of us that maybe that need the external motivation to think about, well, what are you trying to create in the world and that your health and well being will help you to be able to do that even more effectively. So, so yeah, let's jump back to, uh, so I, I've been downsized twice in my former uh, corporate career. So I, I feel like it, it taught me a lot about resilience. What, what did those experiences do for you in terms of being separated from uh, a former job? Um, I think what, what was great about my former job was that I was fired. I didn't walk away on my own. Um, and my firing was very interesting because I worked with these junior coordinators and we didn't realize this, but I was getting warnings and I was like, how am I getting this warning about how I'm treating this young person? I'm like, I don't get what's happening here. So I got written up twice and I was about to get written up the third time. And my boss happened to walk by all the coordinators plotting to get me written up a third time. And they went, my boss went to their boss. Their boss confronted them about it. But before she got to them, they went and complained about me the third time. That experience gave me the worst anxiety because I kept feeling like I wasn't good enough. Mm. And I never want to give someone that power again. 
But because I was fired, I realized I gave them that power when I really should not have given a crap. But I take such pride in my work that I think I cared too much about something that was just a job. And that's interesting how we internalize other people's perceptions of ourselves. Yes. And, and particularly, I don't know if it, it was, if there were any connections to, like, I think about it, we've had conversations on this podcast mm. talking about microaggressions or like, you know, other types of bias situations where people are saying things um, based on stereotypes or other perceptions. Mm. And then we can internalize that and that becomes like, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm not there anymore today. Mind you, it has been a decade to get to here and a lot of introspective work. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for private packs, is there, is there a following or a tribe? I'm always interested as someone who is also doing work with women, like how we, how we bring in women into our communities to create not just, you know, users of our products or services, mm-hmm. but also building community uh, communities of women. Is that something that you are interested in or working on that you see as part of Private Packs? I am. So we do have a beautiful community. We have about 2,800 followers on our Instagram. And I hate saying the word like followers, but I really do feel like it's a community on there because when I do a post and it resonates with them, they definitely communicate with me via Instagram. And they slide into my DMs. One time I had a, a very young girl reach out to me because her, uh, she was experiencing vaginal pain because she was trying to lose her virginity. Mm. And I said to her, I was like, you know, I'm curious, why did you reach out to me? Right? Because it's the brand. It wasn't like my personal page. And she's like, I was just really hoping that you would write me back. Wow. And I was very honored by that because a lot of us CEOs and founders don't have time. So I'm happy she chose me to take her on that journey because I said to her, I was like, you should really talk to a doctor. And she said, I'm afraid because I don't want them to tell my parents. So if you have to reach out to someone older and it'd be me, then maybe that's what I was chosen for. Right. Yeah. But again, we're, it seems like we, we keep coming full circle to women, girls about our ability to control what's happening for ourselves within ourselves and uh, healing ourselves or protecting ourselves or in this, you know, pleasuring ourselves. Like I feel like that there, there are so many aspects that other people want to have opinions on what's going on in our bodies. Right. Well, I think, and also like I have opinion too, but it's just as long as my opinion for my body matters to me, because that's all that really counts. Not even my doctor's opinion of my body matters to me. Mm. And I'm always learning too. Like I just learned something on Twitter actually, that if you ask your doctor for something and they tell you no, you tell them to put that on your medical record, make the note on your file. Right. And I was like, oh, I never even knew that. And I'm going to do that going forward. Right. Because if you've learned about an alternative practice or some other healing modality that they're skeptical about or, or even, or don't want to run a certain test, it's right. that documentation that you asked and you were refused. Right. Cause like I wanted medical marijuana and they wouldn't give it to me and I'm like, but I can get it. Right. And I'm in pain and she wouldn't give it to me and I didn't ask her to document it. And I should have. Got Mm -hmm. it. 
That's so interesting. What do you see uh, as as a founder in this uh, women's health, sexual health landscape? What do you see as trends going forward? A lot of beauty products were down there. A lot of um, products in terms of lotions, rubs, stuff with CBD in it, natural products. I know a really great natural product is by the Honey Pot. So a lot of beauty for down there. It's, I think it's going to become its own category. And so allowing women to be able to have comfort, have pleasure but with their right. own choice or by their own choosing. Right. Like instead of reaching for um, coconut oil, there are bombs and lotions that are created for the vaginal skin that help. I Not like that candle that Gwyneth Paltrow just touted for her vagina, but more natural products for down there. And are you hopeful for women's health, women's sexual health? I am hopeful for women's sexual health. I think there are a lot of great founders doing wonderful things like Own Nut, uh, Dame, Honey Pot. But again, it's just that we are getting the investments and the funding to really push these out to to the drugstores to make it more accessible for women to get. So that's where I'm a little bit skeptical looking at the investment side of it. Right. Is it? Do you still find it to be challenging to uh, influence or convince investors that these products or your product uh, has merit value? I do like this one investor I spoke to. I was speaking to her. I was like, you know, I already did the crowdfunding campaign. What should I do next? And she said to me, um, well, you need to get $20,000 a month in sales. And I'm like, well, if I got that, I wouldn't need you, would I? Because that's a million dollars a year. So I can hold on to my equity, hopefully get acquired quickly. And I wouldn't need you at that point. Because with investors, which is even harder to get out of than a marriage, which I did already, that, that got dissolved in a matter of weeks. You pretty much will have that investor for the life of the company. And luckily she showed me her cards very quickly. So I'm like, I'm never going to you for money. Right. So it sounds similar to what you were saying in terms mm -hmm. of how you hire people looking for that alignment. Would you say it's the same alignment oh, yeah. when finding investors? Bet everyone in your life, bet everyone in your circle. So there's like, say five circles, right? On the inside is more like your family and your friends. The next one is your colleagues, your peers. And then the next one could be investors. Like you have to bet everyone, like they have to earn their, their place in your circle. Ooh, I love that. People need to earn their place in your circle. Yep. That's a, that's a compelling thought, I think. And it's probably a little bit different than what some of us might think, particularly for those people in that inner, inner circle, right? Your family and your friends. Right. And I know for, for this particular week, uh, my girlfriend, she and I were speaking about something. Another friend's name came up and she's like, oh, you know, I got to talk to her about something. I'm like, have you even called her to ask her how she's doing? Forget what you need. How you do you even know that much? It really takes like the level of care you want to give and what you need back. So obviously my parents are, they're in the inner circle because if not, they probably beat me. Um, but like, you, again, even with your friends, like with those circles has helped me set up boundaries. If you're in my inner circle, you get to call me before five o'clock. Outer circle people, you will hear from me after five o'clock on the weekday and on the weekends. 
weekends, I don't have sprints to do. So right. a sprint is when you hardcore focus on a task. Understood. So, so connected to this and mm -hmm. what I do ask all of the guests on my podcast mm -hmm. to share is what does start within mean to you? Start within means starting to know who you are from within, what your energy level is and what your strengths and weaknesses are, what you can tolerate and what is intolerable. Really knowing yourself. And you can only do that with introspective work. And that starts within. Awesome. Beautiful. I love that. That's amazing. And it's interesting as founders, right? How we are taking care of ourselves and learning about ourselves through the different iterations of our businesses and being able to take feedback constructively without, you know, mm -hmm. letting it, you know, because I don't know, for, you know, like hearing no, right? What we all as founders hear no thousands of times, right? How not to let that no completely crush you. Right. But I heard this long, so many years ago, this woman said on a panel that rejection is God's protection. And every time I've been told no, a few weeks later, or even like up to a year later, it revealed myself. It revealed itself that gosh, that was protection, right? Personal and professional. I saw something recently today that was, it was something along those lines around like, you know, when, when a door closes, sometimes you have to like nail a board over it. Yes. <laughs> like yes. Don't, and, and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't need to be reminded. I need to be reminded not to try like <laughs> trying to open that door again. And that's happened with, um, that exact thing has happened with boyfriends because it was very hard doing cancer by myself and then doing the startup by myself. So I really was hanging on to this one guy I was madly in love with. And he left, he shut that door behind him. And I went going back to that door, open it up again and again, when I should have just nailed it shut. Mm -hmm. Because right. it was really emotionally harmful to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was the protection that you were talking about, right? That was, right. That was the protection. Right. God must have been like, did I not shut this door? Why do you keep going back and opening it? Why? I know. I keep, you keep asking for me to remove him. I remove him, but then you go back. What is up with this? <laughs> and, and it's the lesson though. Sometimes we need to relearn the lesson, right? Like we're not sometimes over and over. And over. <laughs> She's like over and over and maybe even over again. <laughs> And I'm not religious. I'm a very spiritual person. Um, my faith has held me strong this far because I've gone, gone back to my health, which is really great. And there's some, some type of compass in my life. And it's, it, it doesn't have to be uh, Christianity. It could be anything for anyone, but it does help me keep grounded. And it is my moral compass. Right. And I think when you have um, something like, you know, potential angel money coming your way or a really great partnership, you really got to stand firm in your truth and what's within you to make that decision if it's smart. I love that. That sense of opening to higher and then also staying grounded in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Being grounded is really important because you don't want to be out here like a kite looking all crazy and making the wrong partnerships and the wrong deals or the wrong connections 
if you are not grounded because you don't have to pivot, but the outside can make you pivot and pivot wrong. Give yourself time to marinate. Let it marinate. Let it marinate. So, so how can our listeners learn more about you, learn more about private packs? Yeah. So we are on all social channels. Uh, We are at private packs, P-R-I-B-A-T-E, packs, P-A-C-K-S, spelled properly. And my personal handle is Susie, S-U-Z-Z-I-E, Sinatra. Please reach out to me. And our website is www.privatepacks.com. Right now, we are still doing pre-orders on Indiegogo. and We're looking to ship in March. And right now, you can buy it at its lowest price until March. Otherwise, I'm jacking up the prices because <laughs> I have to make money. Um, Suzanne, thank you so much for your, your honesty, your candor, and for all that you're doing for, for women. Yes, thank you so much for having me on your show. I hope this resonates with uh, one person. It, it, all it takes is one. All it takes is one, yep. That's amazing. So yeah. we're going to let it marinate, and thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and haven't already subscribed, you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. You also can connect with me on Instagram at coach underscore Colette for more inspiration on personal growth and wellness. Stay tuned for another episode of Coach Chat and get ready to start within to finish strong.